Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. Have a seat. Um, I don't usually use an iPad. I usually have this big monitor right here that has stuff on it, and then I can change slides and I can read stuff. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read some things from here. Uh, now, I'm not a reader, I, but as far as my slides, I just want to make sure I say what's actually on the screen. So just bear with me on, you know, that we just, you know, this church is learning. We're figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a very sweet introduction. Oh man, and 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 honestly, like a clap, you know, is a good start as far as honoring the Bardens and the transition. And, and next week, you're going to be celebrating some awesome new friends of mine, the Hubbards. And my goodness, they are an answer to prayer. I'm telling you, I've been um, serving as. Uh, one of the overseers, there's three other pastors from really different parts of the country, 3,000 miles apart. This team of overseers, we have served this church kind of behind the scenes, um, really serving your pastors, but also um, you guys as well um, as a result of that. And, and so we've been a part of this transition. And so when I found out that they were going to be um, moving on to whatever God has assigned for them next... I was like, oh my goodness, are you serious? Like, who's going to come into this? You know, like, especially as quickly as we needed this to happen. And, you know, you just just never know what that's going to look like. Trusting, but just, you just don't know. And I'm telling you, the Hubbards are an answer to prayer. And so this is a a beautiful thing. And you're going to get to celebrate them next week as really things kick off for them and their ministry here but today, I just, I just want to make sure that we celebrate the Bardens well as they are transitioning out. That's really kind of my responsibility today um, as far as me being here. But really, really my goal today, and I, and I explained this um, a little bit earlier to what we call the dream team, every, all of you who serve so well week in and week out, um, that really this is... This is about you guys. The, the transition that's happening is not so much about the leadership. The leadership's just a component. It's just a piece of this, but you're all leading in some capacity. And so really, my responsibility today, what I feel, is, what I feel burdened with today, is to remind you of who you are. Right, not as One Life Church, even, even though that's part of it, um, but really just as a part of the body of Christ. What does this really look like? And I know like, if, if you're here for the first time or maybe you're just coming back after a while and this is all kind of news to you or maybe you've kind of heard work and it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm just kind of... You're getting to watch maybe a, a bit of a family conversation that we're having with each other. And, and this is going to be some propping up. This is going to be some encouragement, but it's also going to be some, uh, some stark reminders of what this is really about. And so you, you, you're kind of off the hook today. You get to sort of watch it. And it's like, mm, I'm not sure I want to be a part of that, you know, and, and that's cool. 
Um, I invite you to be, and I hope by the end of this message, you'll, you'll think, okay, well, that's, that's sign me up. I want to be a part of that. Because um, being, being a Jesus follower is so much more than just following Jesus as, um, as an individual. This is something we do collectively. That is, what, that is what is so uniquely different about being a part of the body of Christ, is that we do this together. We forget that sometimes, which is why I want to talk about this, because we always need reminding in regards to this. And so... So really today, I'm I'm talking about something that applies to us as people and as individuals. It's something that we need to be aware of. We're talking about something um, that really impacts businesses and companies as well. If if, if they're not paying attention and they're not protecting against this, this can kind of bleed into that as well. But even just collectively as a church, as a local body of Christ, this can can kind of find its way in there as well. And so this is what I, what I want you to see today. For Christians, this is, the que- this is the question I want us to see. Whoops, let, let me scoot back one. In, in every single, watch this. In every single one of us, there is a tendency, there is a natural drift. Is this slide in there or did I miss it? Maybe I missed it. Okay, so, so I get to just say it and you get to just listen. And you can write this down. I just wanted to make sure I said it in these words. In every single one of us, there is a natural drift toward self-interest. That is a natural tendency. It it is not like anybody's fault. That is like the sin nature inside of us. We just drift toward, uh, toward ourselves. In other words, we all drift toward prioritizing our own needs and our own interest above everything else. That, that, That doesn't mean you are always doing that. It's like, no, I mean, I hold the door for people all the time and I'm, I'm nice to people and like, uh, I mean, I've, hello, I've been here since six o'clock this morning, been setting things up. Now, I get that. I, I'm just talking, um, when we're not paying attention, the natural drift is toward self-interest, self-preservation. When it happens to an individual, you know the damage it can cause to relationships. I mean, it can ultimately hurt people. It hurts relationships. It can tear things apart when it becomes all about yourself, right? In, in business world, in companies, if you're a part of that, you know how dangerous that can be. And at first, it feels right. You know, it's like, no, 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 we need to protect the bottom line. We've got to, you know, we've got to protect our self-interest. We've got to make sure that we're, you know, taking care of the bottom line and that we're improving profits and, you know, reducing expenses. And and it kind of becomes inward a little bit and it feels right. But then you know that if it stays there too long, that eventually it hurts the company as well. It's like, nobody wants to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that. And, and, And then it leaks into churches, all the time, and you know this, like, I mean, this, this just happens, and it's because we're just, it's not because we don't know better, it's because we just stop paying attention, and so we kind of just start drifting slowly, and kind of, you know, closing things off, and becoming very inward focused, and this is about me, and it becomes about, you know, kind of my, my needs, and my wants, and my personal preferences, and, you know, it's my spiritual growth, and it's my, you know, what kind of how this benefits me and how this makes me better and this is for me and my family and I just need to think about me and, and it's like all of those things are, are right and true and that's a part of the process of spiritual growth and, we, you know, we even say things like, and this, 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 one, this one has a tendency to sneak in, especially during seasons like this. It's like, well, I liked our old preacher. Or, you know, I couldn't wait for old preacher to leave because so, I like this new one. 
And it's like, I get that. We all have preferences and that's kind of part of being human. But if that's all that's guiding us, man, that is, it's going, it is, it's going to damage things. If, 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 you're, if what is benefiting you and growing you never turns into action, then you've actually missed the point. We, we've missed it somehow. And, and the church is, is, tends to be pretty guilty of this. And, and some of you walked away from church a long time ago because that was your experience. It's like, I just didn't think I fit. Like, it just didn't feel right. Like, I went to church. I didn't think it was going to be like that, but I kind of felt awkward, and I didn't feel like I fit in. I didn't know the lingo, and I didn't, I don't think I dressed right. I didn't know, I didn't have the right clothes on, and I didn't know when to stand up and when to sit down. And, and, and honestly, nobody really told me any different, and I just kind of felt awkward, and so I left, and I just hadn't been back. And that's been a lot of, a lot of, people's experience with church and with Christians. Isn't this true? I mean, we all know this. Like there's a tendency, like I know, I know, I know. But man, if, if we're not constantly being reminded and challenged and, and kind of led in this direction, it will quickly become about ourselves and we will stop growing or we'll grow in an unhealthy way. Because it's often said, healthy things grow. And then I always follow that up with, well, unhealthy things grow too. It's so true. Am I right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's no fun to see something that's not healthy to grow too quickly and to be a part of that. And so, so here's the question that I think is so important for us today. If, and, and especially, and, and I'm, I'm talking generally to all of us as Christians, wherever you end up, wherever you land, you know, maybe it's here, maybe it's another local church. But, but especially for One Life Church, I just want us to consider this today. For Christians, for Christians, what does it really mean to be a part of a local church? What does it really mean? And, and I know we all kind of have our ideas. It's like, I mean, I, I am at church right now. Like, I mean, this is, uh, I'm in a seat and I sing songs and like... So even broader than that, what does it really mean to be a part of the church and like the big C church, like the, the church universal, like the, all Christians collectively everywhere? What does it really mean? And we may have different answers. We may have, and, and we're probably all hitting, you know, the target somewhere, but are we hitting the bullseye? And I want to try to help us at least get close to that today. You know, what is it that really kind of gets us there? And it's so important that you guys figure that out. So I'm talking again talking collectively, and then I'm also talking to you as one life. Um, because during this season of transition, it's not so much about, hey, we got the right leaders in place, and this is awesome, and their family's incredible, and they're charismatic, and they you know, are so easy to follow and such sweet people. It's going to be how you lead. It just is. It's going to be how you decide to participate and to be a part of what God is doing here. And if we don't, people are going to miss. They may catch One Life Church. They may, you know, catch on to something that they liked about being here, but they may miss Jesus. And we don't, we don't, we don't really want to be a part of that, do we? I mean, I don't think we do. And so I think it's going to help if we go all the way back to the very beginning where this actually started. And I think it helps to know that, that church, this idea of church was actually Jesus' idea. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Like Jesus himself, now here's the thing, he never saw it. Jesus never saw the church. Yeah. He never saw it happen, he never saw it start, but he predicted it. 
He, he had an idea of what, it was, of what was going to happen as a result of him being here and the people who he was bringing along with him. And so one day, you may be familiar with this story, he spoke to one of his disciples and he said, Simon, Simon, you have just declared that I am, rightly so, I am the Messiah, the son of the living God. You've said that with your own, and so, and he follows it with these words, and I tell you, and I tell you, you Peter, you're Peter, like I'm going to change your name and I'm going to make it now the rock, Petra. And, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. It's like, okay, so that's so interesting because we always hear that as like, okay, so that was, you know, that was about Peter. What does it have to do with me? What, what, well, was Peter's like hand selecting, what, was Jesus hand selecting Peter or was he talking specifically to Peter because of his profession of who Jesus is? And I think it was because, well, he had just said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And you said, that's right. And on that, I'm going to build my church. So anybody who professes that Jesus Christ is the son of God is going to be the foundation on which Jesus builds his church. And then sure enough, that began to happen. I mean, you fast forward a few years later and things began to grow. Jesus is now gone. Jesus never saw it happen, but what he predicted would happen actually began to happen. And this word church is what really gets us here because we hear church, which was based on a German word, Kirch, and I probably mutilated that, but it was, it was this very much just meant like a building, like this German word church just meant a building, a place, a place of worship, and it really it wasn't even necessarily a Christian word. It was just kind of just a general place of gathering to worship. And so it's kind of lost something, but the, the Greek word is ekklesia, which actually means, did you know this, and you've probably heard this, but maybe you've forgotten, it actually means a called out assembly yeah. or gathering. Not just an assembly or gathering, a called out assembly or gathering. In other words, what Jesus predicted was not a place, it was not a building, it was not like a a one life church. Jesus just predicted that based on people professing his name, that, that people collectively would gather together for a common purpose because they were called out and they knew it. They they were called out and they had a responsibility. And so that's kind of that's a hint at where we're going, of what I want us to see, because this is so important. And so this actually began, and this began to take root. And it's, I'm telling you, it's a miracle that we're here today because of what happened in the first century. It is a miracle because of the, you think we're persecuted and you think, oh, you know, because, you know, the laws aren't getting passed or the wrong people are in leadership. And it's like, you know, they're not conservative enough or they're not liberal enough or they're not something enough. You know, they, they, they're, too green or they're too whatever. I don't know. Like we've got all kinds of reasons. And the truth is the persecution that took place in the first century should, should have put this thing to rest and we shouldn't be here today. And yet it survived. And so what was it? What was it that, that caused this thing to grow? And Luke, the author of the second gospel, Matthew, um, Mark, Luke, the third gospel, as well as the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, he wrote this really to try to figure this out. It was like, first he was writing something to kind of describe, you know, and talk about the life of Jesus. And then he wanted people to understand, like, why did this thing happen? I've put together, you know, this this detailed account of, of, you know, I've got some eyewitnesses and I've put it together and here are my conclusions. And what you find as you read through Acts, it's interesting. 
It's really a historical kind of narrative. What you get are every once in a while, he'll, he'll give you these little summary statements of like, this was kind of the overall picture of what the church looked like of what this early kind of ecclesia, this gathering, this thing that had momentum, it spread like wildfire, and I want to try to create a picture. And the first one we get is in Acts chapter 2. You've probably read this before. You've probably heard this before. Acts chapter 2, right toward the end, you get this first summary statement. Now, here's what you need to understand. This is not a prescriptive kind of list of things that, that Luke lays out. It's not like this is exactly what the church is supposed to look like point one, point two, there was no model, there was no church conference, there was no growth pattern, there was no like, well, here's the systems and processes you need to put in place. What began to happen, what Luke was trying to just characterize and trying to describe, he's trying to give us like this, let me just give you like a snapshot of what the church looked like so you can, to help you understand what was so crazy about this and maybe what helped it stand apart. And he gives us this snapshot to help describe it and it's like, I don't know, it was just... There was just something different about these guys. There was just something different. They, I don't know. They, and it begins. And he goes, they just devoted themselves to something. They, they devoted themselves. Listen to this. All the believers were in one heart. And they devoted themselves. Whoops, I went too far. The, they devoted themselves. That's why I had it marked. To the apostles' teaching. I don't know, that was part of it. You know, we always take this, here's this list, and this is what the Acts 2 church is supposed to look like. No, 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 no. He's really just kind of summarizing. This is just generally, because here's the thing. There were people just like you and me. And so, you know, there were probably some that were like really more kind of in it to win it than others. I mean, don't you think? I mean, it wasn't like literally every single Christian was exactly like this. No, he's just kind of, let me, the general vibe the general look and feel, it was like this. They just, there was this sense of devotion to this teaching that they were giving about the life of Jesus and about who he was and to what? To, to fellowship. We kind of skirt over that one. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. They were just devoted to these things. Oh, so that's all you're supposed to do? That's all church is? No, it's just like, I'm just trying to kind of encapsulate this. The, the, the real word there, though, that I want to emphasize is the word fellowship. It's like, oh, see, that, again, it's another English word that just loses something. Anybody part of, like, um, just a very different kind of denominational or traditional church at some point in your life? You've been a part of that? Anybody? It's okay to raise your hand. I was, too. Like, I grew up in a United Methodist church. Anybody like that? Any of you people out there? Oh, we've got some. Anybody remember, like, fellowship suppers? Anybody remember, like, going and having a potluck in the fellowship hall? as if fellowship only takes place in this hall. I didn't understand that. The place with the green carpet that has the food stains on it and the, and the paper, you know, coverings for the tables and the plastic and, you know, the little salt that you had to peel open and sprinkle on your bland green beans. Like, I, I grew up, I are this, okay? Like, <laughs> and I'm okay. I love Jesus. <laughs> so, I mean, that's okay. But... Something about the word fellowship just loses something when that's all it is. It's like an event for us. It's this very kind of semi-formal, you know, gathering of people, and we're going to have some sweet, sweet fellowship. It's like, after church, we're going to fellowship together. And it's like, well, what happened in church? I don't understand. 
Like, why does fellowship... And the truth is, when he uses the word fellowship, and it's so much richer than that. It, it's actually the word, you've probably heard this word too, koinonia. You heard that word? Koinonia is the word fellowship. What's interesting, though, is that this word shows up about 20 times throughout the New Testament, and it's not always translated fellowship. Do you know how it's translated sometimes? Very same word, koinonia. Sometimes it's contribution, participation. These are some of the words that sharing, like these are some of the words that are actually translated from the word koinonia. So when it says, and I don't know, there was koinonia, we think, oh, well, just was some fellowship. No, there was contribution. There was participation. There was sharing in something. And then it's like in verse 44, it's like Luke is trying to let me, I can just imagine like him writing this down. It's like, let me just, let me almost summarize. I think, I think verse 44 is like a, his definition of koinonia, of this idea of fellowship. Because he says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Now, here's, here's the thing. We read that, had everything in common. It's like, really? Because what was unique about the Christian church at this time, when, when things were just exploding, is they didn't have everything in common. They didn't at all. Like, there were different classes of people. There were poor. There were wealthy, rich. There were educated and uneducated. There were some that spoke you know, the right language and some that didn't, some from, you know, the right places and some from other places, some from other cultures and ethnicities. And it's like, so this is a, what is, what, so why does Luke say that? They had everything in common. That's what we would think. It's like, oh, no, no, no. They had everything. They, they, they were, they couldn't have been more different and yet had everything in common. So, so what did they have in common? What were they together in? A shared responsibility. That's what it was. They were together in one spirit, not in one ethnicity, not in one color, not in one language. They were together in one spirit and shared a common responsibility. That is the... And guess what? That's koinonia. That is koinonia. That the ecclesia was distinguished and marked by koinonia. There was something different. And then, and then it's like he's saying, and here's kind of what that led to. I don't know how to say it any other way. They just started, I don't know, they sold property they, they, and their possessions and they began to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together. It's like, really, every day? Really, every day? Well, probably not every day, but it was like, this is the way, I mean, it's a summary. He's saying it was like they were just always there together in the temple courts. Well, why? You know, what was it? They broke bread in homes together. They were, you know, with glad and sincere hearts. They were excited to do this. Nobody was pressuring them. Was, this was not out of guilt or obligation. This wasn't, well, I mean, I heard that this is what you're supposed to do if you're a part of the church. You know, it's like, no, no, no. There wasn't the word the church. There wasn't a building. There wasn't a place. And so they just got together praising God and enjoy, and get this, enjoying the favor of all the people. Why? Because there was something different. They, had the, they received favor from the people around them because they actually liked them being there. It's like, I kind of like these people being there. And as a result of koinonia in the ecclesia, you like that? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That was what marked the church. It wasn't, well, they got together. 
and they sang some songs and they went and had sweet fellowship. I mean, all those things can like play a part in it. But what distinguished the early church and those early Christians without anybody telling them to, without a playbook, without an association or an organization or a denomination telling them, this is how you do things. This is your order of worship. These are the things that are most important. And this is your bullet list. And here's your theology. They didn't have a Bible. There was no New Testament. They were writing the New Testament. They were living it. Nobody told them what to do. And yet, so what was it then? Who are we today as a result of what happened then? It was this, this, this broad, descriptive idea, this characteristic of koinonia. It was because it led to so much. It was rich. It was not just getting together and hanging out. I mean, that's, that's kind of how we mean it today. And I get that. I mean, youth group, you know, back in the day. It was like the three F's, food, fun, and fellowship. You know, it's like that, that meant you're going to have a pizza party at somebody's house and play ping pong. Like that's what that meant. Food, fun, and fellowship. That's all that meant. That's not what Luke was describing when he said fellowship. It was, they shared everything in common as in they were unified. They, had, they, were, they were so different in so many different ways. And yet they were unified around a common purpose. You ready for this? I'm going to blow your mind. A common mission. A co-mission. A great co-mission. Does that sound familiar? Go into all the world. Preach the gospel teaching them all of the things, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Like, that is our commission, and they knew it. And they didn't have a lot in common, but they had everything in common. Because this is what brought them together, which is why 2,000 years later, we're still here. That's the only reason. There's no other reason that makes any sense. Oh, well, I mean, I just, I've done my history and, you know, my philosophy teacher and my history professor, like they told me, you know, that it's really just a, it was just a kind of a cultural phenomenon and it was just because there was this, no, 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 no. It it does not compute. It does not make sense that something, this, this, uh, really a, a peasant religion initially following a, a dead man. That you, you don't die for, for some teachings. You don't die for, you know, a moral code. You die because you believe that somebody died and rose from the grave. Yeah. That, that's why you're willing to do that. Yeah. That's the reason we continue to be here. And they all, they bought that. Because they knew some people who were eyewitnesses. They knew these disciples and they had talked to Peter and they had talked to Matthew and they had talked to the people who were there and present and John and they, they knew that he was there and they saw it happen with their own eyes and then they began to talk about it just a couple of months after it happened in the very same city among the very same people who watched it happen. No, 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 are you kidding me? He can't be alive. We watched him die. 
We watched it. This was not years later. It wasn't like there was time for you know, a rumor to kind of get conjured up or some kind of story to get passed along. Like There were people who said, we were just there a couple of months ago, and now when, when once we were hiding in the shadows and all of a sudden we're willing to preach it from the rooftops, it's because we've seen a risen Savior. And so we're going to talk about it. And everybody, I mean, don't you know that gets you rallied around something? I'm going to go with whatever that guy does because like he predicted his own death and resurrection and then he did it and I'm just going to go with him. I'm going to go with what that guy said. And man, they didn't have a lot in common, but they began to work together and there was a common goal and vision. And do you know why we're here today? It's because that's still who we are. Now, I, I don't know that the world always gets that picture. Is that fair? I don't know. I don't really need this. Um, you, you and I, every one of us, like we know to some varying degree, um, if you've been awake for the last few years, that there is an ever-increasing kind of exodus from the church and from Christianity and, and, and not necessarily spirituality, but just from stuff that feels so polarizing. You know, because, because we, we set ourselves on, on a foundation of some of the wrong things, I think. We, we overemphasize, you know, our political stance and our positions and the things that we care deeply about, and rightly so, our freedoms and our rights. And it's like, I get all that and I agree with that, but what about, what about our spiritual freedom? Because that's really what Jesus taught. And he said, I, you know, be obedient. What is Caesar's is Caesar's. Be obedient and submissive to the authorities because God has placed them there. But at the same time, your faith is not in that. It is in me. And your mission has never changed. And it is not to just be vocal about what you do or don't you know, believe about our political system or what the right, like all those are okay. Like you can have an opinion, but what does, what, what actually is our platform? What actually makes the difference for people? What actually changes people's lives? It's, it's the gospel. It's the message of Jesus. And that is the only thing that's going to bring us together because everything else divides. Guess what? There's Christians on both sides of the aisle. Come on. Like there just are. No, it's impossible. You kidding me? Do you know what they believe? It's like, just telling you, like, they, they feel like they're Christians too, and they look at you and me and they go, oh, I don't know about that, and then, you know, vice versa. And it's like, guess what? All we've done is draw a line in the sand and we've separated ourselves and we lost koinonia. Yes. We've lost the very thing that made the difference in the beginning. And we'll always drift that way if we forget this. If we're not constantly reminding ourselves of this. Very easy to do. Especially in political upheaval when, you know, times when people are worried and wondering. and oh, I don't know what to do. And I'm looking to the church. And the church needs to be more vocal and needs to be more loud. I mean, I wasn't even going to talk about this today. But this, I, you know, th- this is the thing that ultimately that people see. The wrong face of who we are. It's like th- that they, we, I think we often misrepresent unknowingly what this is all about. We just kind of drift toward, you know, 
us, preferences, what we like, what we believe. And we leave some of the core that we probably all agree on, I guarantee you. If you're a Christian in here, there's more that matters that we agree on than we disagree about. And I bet I can stand in any church in America and actually find that kind of common ground. I mean, there's, there's actually just a few things that actually matter more than anything else when it comes to being a follower of Jesus. And that's what's going to allow that kind of... Do you know what koinonia provides for us? Influence. Because people see that and they go, good Lord, I, I want to be a part of that. Because those people are so different and yet they are so together. I want to be a part of that. See, one of, one of the distinguishing characteristics, here it comes, of the ecclesia in the early church was, the, was koinonia. I mean, you can write that down. I mean, just, and, and say it simpler than that. Just say the ecclesia was all about Koinonia, like just, just make that a new phrase for yourself. Like that's what it's about when you walk in and say this isn't. Did you know, did you know that you can't go to church when you understand this? You can't watch church online. I love that you're watching online, but you can't actually watch online. Just like you can't sit in here and just watch church. You can't go to church. You can't attend church. You can't watch church. You can only what? Be the church. Like, that's the only thing that makes sense. Come on. I hope this doesn't feel like a soapbox, because like that, that's not my goal. I, I want... I, if the church is going to continue to have impact and make a difference in the world, then we've got to get back to some unity. We've got to understand some things. Next, go, go ahead with that next slide. They weren't just together physically, they were together missionally. That's the difference. It's not just about showing up. It's not just about being in here. That's a start, finding some things that you like. Instead, they weren't just together physically, they were together missionally. And then watch this. It's actively, it's not passive, it's actively sharing in and participating in our common responsibility to be and grow the church. I believe that is what koinonia is. Actively, that's why you can't just sit. I get it. It's like, but I kind of just want to sit. Can I just, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, we, we started our church, you know, eight and a half, nine years ago, and early on, and I get it, like, I understand, I've been there, I've experienced it, and it's usually when I forget things like this, and people just start going, you know what, we're just not going to come anymore, we're just kind of all served out. It's like, okay, like, uh, okay, what does that mean? Like, we, I, I get being tired, and maybe needing to do something a little different, but served out, like, how is that an option? Like, how, do, how is that an option? Like, is that an option? Maybe it is. Maybe I'm missing something. That sounds awesome. I'm going to go collect seashells for a while. Like, I have hobbies too. Like, I love to hunt and fish and do all that stuff. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, this, I, I see something that's eternal, that's something that, that, that's great. And I just, I have to remind myself sometimes, like, oh, yeah, I'm not doing this because I like it or because it just makes me feel good or checks a box for me. Like, I'm doing this because this is a shared responsibility that I'm participating in. Yeah. 
and it's my responsibility and everybody else's on whom Jesus was building this ecclesia. When, when Jesus said that you're, you're experiencing his kingdom and the kingdom on earth is because that's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be a part of God's kingdom on earth. Well, the only way that happens is if we're together and sharing a common responsibility to be in to grow the church. So let me just put it to you like this. And this is kind of an evaluation, okay? If your participation in church revolves around making your life better and making you into a better version of you, then you've missed the point. I know that sounds, that sounds a little like, you know, toe-stepping or whatever. Like, you know, that's not, that, that's, that's not the point, okay? This is just a reminder of who we are, and this is for all of us every single day. And we need to take stock. We need to evaluate. If my participation in a local church is really just about, because like that's part of it. Your life will get better. I do believe you begin to really follow Jesus passionately, your life will get better. Your relationships will improve. There will be parts of you that get better, but it's not just to become a better version of you. It's so that you can then do the very thing that was provided for you for somebody else. It's to provide the thing that changed your life for somebody else, period. I mean, isn't that's what makes the difference. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. The church would have ended, you know, in like 40 not 2022. We would have never made it this far. Like it would have ended because it would have been like, I love this. This is awesome. Can we break some more bread together? Because I love just praying and getting together and let's just do this. This is so good. I love this. Like, let's, can we just do this? Can we just stay? This is a little awkward to have them in here. That kind of messes things up a little bit. Can we just can we just be together? Like, like, it would have ended. You know that. We can't do that either. We're, this generation's responsible for the next. Yep. Don't you want to have a lasting legacy? Yes. Yes. One Life Church. Yes. You have a lasting legacy. You have an opportunity to be an amazing vessel Amen. for God's kingdom Amen. in this community. Serve every day. You ready? I've got, I've got some thoughts. So here's the question I want to leave you with. Am I fully engaged in our common responsibility? That's a question you need to ask yourself every day. Am I fully engaged in our common responsibility? What does that look like? So here's just some ideas, you know, like I heard over here. Pray for your leaders. There's a, that's an easy one because maybe it sounds scary. Maybe what I've said is like, are you kidding me? Like what, I got to be in the choir? Like I don't sing, you know, it's like, ugh. What, I got to go serve in the parking lot? It's 102 out there. I don't want to do that. It's like, no, no, no. Let me make it a little easier. Pray for your leaders. Work on your heart for lost people. Does your heart break for those who are lost? Serve through your gifts. I'm not saying jump in the choir if you can't sing. I promise. I'm just not saying that. Like, you probably won't make it on the worship team, you know? (laughs) Especially with Pastor Red around, like, because the man can sing. He can sing. And he wants this to be awesome. Am I right? Anybody else? Like, let's straighten all the worship guides in our seats with the pen right in the middle, down the middle, and firmly placed on the seat without them being directly next to one another. 
Let's make sure the row, could we get the measuring tape out and make sure these rows are exact? Guess what, I'm some the same way, it's horrible. It's a bit of a curse. But I'm just telling you, like, there's some love up in there. There's, there's, a real, there's a reason for all that stuff. And it's more than just, I just want things to be perfect and robotic. Like, it's because excellence creates comfort for people. Creates a distraction-free environment. I mean, there's, there's reasons for that. Serve within your gifts. Support its ministries financially. I'll just say it. And connect with others. Get in a small group. Come to a serve day like yesterday. That was an easy one. That's like a once every once in a while kind of thing. But what if, you know, like, like those look good on social. You know, what about the other days? You know, I mean, there's, there's more than that. That's, those are supposed to be just like kind of catalyst for what happened in our lives. That, that's what a day like yesterday is for. It's not just to celebrate ourselves. We know that, but we forget. Like we just forget. It's more than that. Don't settle, is what I'm saying. Don't settle for making this about you. It, th- there is a moment in time when it's about you. And then from that point forward, it's about other people. Once you're convinced that Jesus is the Son of God and He begins to change your life, you now have an opportunity to share that. And you now have a common responsibility that we all share this koinonia to be the body of Christ. Aren't you? Don't settle because God didn't settle. Watch this. Aren't you glad God didn't settle for, I'm going to watch what's going on and I'm going to root for you from heaven. Boy, I hope y'all get it. Come on, guys, you can do it. He didn't settle. He actively participated. He sent his son. That, that, is a, that is our message. That's what should motivate us. That should be our catalyst. That should cause us to want to dig in and do something. Don't settle. Because if we settle for making it all about us, then the people around us don't get better. And I want other people to experience, to to taste something that I've experienced, something that I've been a part of, this koinonia. It's exciting. Let me just say this. Some of you here aren't in that kind of relationship with Jesus. And yet he has loved you enough to die for you. He didn't settle to just say, man, I hope you figure it out one day. He sent his son for you. And there's an opportunity. I, my hope for you today is that you would jump into this messy relationship with Jesus and with a church of people who love Jesus. That would be my hope for you because I promise it will be messy. There will be times when it's hard. There will be times when things don't work quite right. But guess what? That's just our problem that we've got to figure out, but it never, it never stops. It never stops us from getting to be together when it comes to what matters 
most. Would you bow your heads with me? Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I want to give you an opportunity to step into that relationship. And and let me just say this. I'm I'm gonna lead you in a prayer here in just a second, but I, I wanna make this clear. A prayer does not fix you or save you. It's simply, you ready for this? A prayer is a declaration of what you believe in your heart. It is an acknowledgement. That is all prayer is. Prayer is an acknowledgement that, that you need something other than yourself. Saying, God, I need you. And so that's why I want you to pray with me. And even those, maybe you already know Jesus. I want you to pray right along with me, just right where you are, just silently in your head. You don't have to say this out loud, but just pray along with me to receive the gift that Jesus has offered to you and to me and step into this relationship. Just say something like, Heavenly Father, I want to give you my life. I want to give you my all. I don't even know what that looks like yet. But I I want to trust you and not me any longer. I know I'm a mess. Tired of doing it on my own. I confess that I'm a sinner. And I need a savior. And I believe his name is Jesus. Would you fill me with your spirit? Change my life forever. And it's in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I thank you. We celebrate with those who made that decision today. I I can't say that enough, God, that, that it is what you have done for us that have made our lives worth living. You are our purpose. You are our freedom. You are our hope. And I thank you for that. And I pray that we would recognize that and that we would be, that we'd be excited to walk out of here today as the church full of koinonia. That we understand that we have a common responsibility together as the body of Christ. And we pray that it would change people's lives forever for you, for your sake. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. amen. Here's what I'd like to do. Would you just celebrate with those who made that decision today? Come on. Come on, we can do better than that.